Support for WAER Original Podcasts comes from California Closets of Syracuse, located in DeWitt. California Closets can help you get your entire home organized with custom-designed storage solutions for the home office, kitchen pantry, closets, and more. Online at californiaclosets.com. All right. And when the uh, July 4th uh, romance comes out, I'd like a, a name in you the credit like, somewhere. I would like credit. credit somewhere. How about we just name the main character after you? Kendall. Kendall's a good Christmas name. I like it. I would love to be my own romantic character. Kendall, At least somewhere yeah. in my life. That's right. It is December, and the air is filled with the sounds of bells ringing, the smell of chestnuts roasting, and the twinkle of bright holiday lights. But... Is it also filled with romance? While many Christmas stories focus on children and toys and Santa, there are also a growing number of movies and novels where the emphasis is less on the Christmas tree and more on the mythic effects of the mistletoe. Indeed, on popular channels like Lifetime and Hallmark, the Yuletide season seems primarily about making a love connection. I'm Kendall Phillips, and on this episode of Pop Life, we continue our special three-part series on Christmas by examining the connection between Christmas and romance at least in the movies. Here to help us explore this connection are two prolific writers of Christmas TV movies, Juliet and Keith Giglio. This husband and wife writing team has written such holiday romance classics as A Very Nutty Christmas from 2018, Christmas Reservations from 2019, and the recent Christmas in Tune. And now they've released a novel about, you guessed it, romance on the set of a Christmas movie. The novel is The Summer of Christmas, and I'm thrilled to have the authors here to help us understand the romantic side of the holiday season. Juliet and Keith, welcome to Pop Life. Thank you. Thank you so much. Very Very happy happy to be here. Happy to be here. No, thrilled to have you both. I've loved, I loved the novel. I've loved your films. I really have. But I want to start with you two. How did you get into screenwriting? Were you just a kid sitting in front of the movie saying, I want to write that? Or when did the bug bite you? Um... I got bit at an early age. Uh, my parents always went to movies, and they always brought me because bringing me and buying me a little popcorn was cheaper than a babysitter. And so, growing up, I pretty much saw everything I could see on TV and everything I could see in the movie theater. And this career was always kind of my uh, north star. And growing up, I was going to see um, Sound of Music many, many times. And I actually didn't think about becoming a screenwriter until I got married. Prior to that, I thought I wanted to direct or be a studio executive. And then right after we got married, Keith said to me, hey, I've got this idea for a comedy. Would you like to write it with me? And I said, yes. And that's how it kind of got started. And ever since then, we've written together. Mm-hmm. And I and we can also hear in the background one of the products yes. of your very productive relationship is a grandbaby who's back there uh, giving a, a, a lot of support. Yeah, so. we do have a grandbaby. Our daughter called us in for babysitting services today, and so um, we have a supportive fam. We bring our one fam with us. I love it. I love. We get uh, likes per- your show. We love. We love having a young demographic. Uh, so I, I do understand. I'm going I'm to set you up for a story. I know you've told before, so my apologies. But I understand you all did um, meet. Uh, in a fairly cute manner related to media and screen. So would you tell the story of your first meeting? Okay. So it's what you call meet cute. Fade, and fade in, New York University. 721 Broadway. Grad school. And we were on the 10th floor. We both got in the elevator at the same time. Nope, not true. Oh, you were already in the elevator? I was in the elevator. So oh. I'm 44 now. You came into the elevator. I was in the elevator. You were in the elevator. I walked in. 
Okay. And I was distraught because I just had a conference with our professor who must have torn my script apart. And Keith had had that same professor the year before because he was a year ahead of me. And um, I proceeded to kind of make sure she felt okay about her work and told her everything was going to be okay. But I think that that's maybe what I wanted to say, but I really just started making fun of her. Yeah. Oh, you had a bad meeting about your script. Oh, no, what are you going to do now? And she was... People in the elevator were laughing, but she wasn't. <laughs> when the doors opened, when the doors I, opened, I ran out. She fled, <laughs> and I didn't see her for six months. <laughs> it's a small school. I don't know how she hid from me. <laughs> six months, was... but that was our meet cute. And then we wound up. What's the second meet cute? We actually two meet cutes. On well, the, the second one, we were uh, we were working on a, another a friend's set, and we were assigned the props department to make fake looking alcohol. And we sort of started laughing together. Yeah, so we kind of got intoxicated with each other all making fake booze. I love it. Although, Julian, I'm not sure why you ever forgave him for not being more sympathetic, but you're a very patient yeah, person. I know. <laughs> I should have. I, I got over it. You know what? I, I, he made me laugh. That's that's really important. That's and, and now you've made a lot of us laugh with the, with the great movie. So I'm curious about the process. You know, I've t- we've had a, a number of writers on the show, uh, novelists and authors and, and screenwriters, but I think you're the first partnership I've had on the show talking about writing. So I'm curious, what is it like being writing partners? How does that process work? I'm like pausing kind of laughing at each other. <laughs> yeah, um, we're smiling here laughing. It's really nice because you can't really high five yourself. That's the first thing. Um, we both have the same sensibilities. Sensibilities. And yeah. we, we like the same content. So I think that helps a lot. It's, it's really a lot of fun to write with somebody else. And I think to write with your partner is is great the highs are the only problem is the highs are high and the lows are lower so when things are going great it's fantastic yeah we've had and if they're not going well then it's not as great it's okay at least we're going through it together and uh, i know opposites attract in the movies but i'm not sure about that in some real life situations especially ours because i would hate to have come home from the end of the day and say oh boy i didn't sell a pitch we don't have any money uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's easier if we both came home and said we didn't sell a pitch we don't have any money <laughs> that's right at least shared blame i like that so but i'm exactly. curious about the like the process so let's, let's go back to a very nutty christmas which i think was kind of your first kind of breakthrough into the christmas uh, movie scene that's where cool. did that's the right. idea come from how did it develop how did you each kind of contribute to building out what became a, a, a very successful film oh. it's it's funny because it's actually an idea we'd had for a while mm-hmm. and so when the opportunity came up to pitch in a christmas idea that was the one we had that we liked it a lot we liked it a lot and we'd since gotten really up since moving to upstate new york we've gotten really obsessed with christmas yeah <laughs> sorry you like christmas um yeah it, it kind of came about because um uh, a producer was interested in our work and she had read us and we were both actually in um park city when she called us because uh, Juliet used to come to the sundance uh festival with us she she was a um, uh, Lorraine, our dear departed dean, loved taking her there. Um, so anyway, we said, well, we're not going to pitch on the phone. We can pitch in the city. And so we came back and we pitched this idea on a Friday to the producer. And on Monday, we were selling it to the network. So wow. it doesn't really happen. The, the great thing about TV movies is they usually make them as opposed to features. So uh, that thing was sold basically in the room and it was greenlit how long? 
um, we sold it and then we started writing it almost immediately, which was really exciting because things don't usually happen that fast in mm. film and television. And so we basically sold it the idea in February and we were filming in May and it aired in November. Wow. Um, which was great. And I love that movie. You know, yeah. we were big fans of the movie Elf and Splash. And Splash. Yeah. And so that's our little homage to that film. And we love, you know, and Melissa Joan and... Hart did a great, all the actors yeah. are terrific in that. No, a really fun. So I'm curious to go back. Where had the original idea? So you said you'd had kind of had this idea and you had this opportunity. Where had that initial evolve, idea come from? Get, ideas evolve yeah. and you get actors involved and it changes mm. and it changes. And I mean, it changes with time. You look back, you look back on the scripts we wrote and say, oof, how, how, how did we get money for that one? <laughs> uh, you know, this one, it's like, you know, we had a kernel of an idea, like a paragraph or two. And we said, okay, we have this idea. We have to kind of, it has to evolve. Right. And we, we love the Nutcracker story. We, we're big fans of that. And we always go see it every year. And we have a lot of Nutcracker ornaments. Now we have a, what do we have, like a 12-foot yeah. one in our house? But we have the and, idea to put the Nutcracker cracking nuts in a bakery. That's when it really started to come together. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's sort of how the idea came about. No, I love it. Nutcrackers around and then loving loving the, the – um, the ballet and realizing, oh, what if we sort of follow the storyline of the ballet, mm -hmm. but put it into a Christmas movie? No, and we literally, if you saw the script, we actually had links to all the different Tchaikovsky movements. Where people can listen to it while reading the script, which um, some of these ex executives did. Mm -hmm. Ironically, we had a large um, nutcracker. We bought it, Julia bought it at an auction. And we posted it on Facebook, and Ed Russell said, "That's mine." He sold it. To the, oh no! Russell's nutcracker. <laughs> that is great, but you know, I mean, I admire you because I have nuts in my life everywhere, and yet I have yet to come up with a great idea for a screenplay. So you've you've done quite a bit of work with Melissa Joan Hart. Is that a special relationship or a kind of connection it, you all share? It really yeah, is, yeah, and yeah. we love working with her, and we also love working with her mom, who produces all the movies. Mm -hmm. Her mom is Paula Hart, and uh, they're just. Very collaborative and worked well with them, and that's why we made four movies with them. Right, we'd go to, we'd always be invited to the set, uh, which is something most writers are not. And we'd go to the set, we'd hang out, and watch a couple of days of filming, and then we'd start talking about what to do next year. And um, that went on for a few years, and uh, then we got uh, opportunity to write a book. So. No, that's great. So one more question about about the movies, uh, and I'm just curious, you know, at, at, and maybe this is kind of a pivot towards the novel as well. So I've had again a lot of novelists on the show, and many of them have had books turned into films. We just talked to Paul Tremblay, who has, has a book that was is now coming out as a, a horror movie by M Night Shyamalan, and uh, oh, wow. talk to them about you know what's it like to have written this thing, to have been your baby, to have it in your head, and then handing it off to someone else. So I'm curious for you all, both as screenwriters who who clearly have been more involved in the process of making the film. But also now as novelists who had complete creative control over what happens in the page of the novel, how are those two experiences different? We, uh, the, the Lifetime, Paul Hart, uh, were fantastic to us. We were the only writers ever there. We were always kind of just, it was our vision, and it was a shared vision, which was terrific. And they never brought it to the director. Again, someone who was on board with our script and didn't want to change many things, and along with the actors. Now, of course, we were always open to notes and open, open to great ideas. And you know, actors do these wonderful things on the set, which enhance our work. But um, it was total involvement. 
It was. I will say writing a novel, though, was a really different experience mm -hmm. because you're sort of on your own for a long period of time. And then you get notes from the editor, but they're not nearly as, I want to say, invasive as what you get when you're writing a screenplay. And that's primarily not because there's a problem with the story, but because you're having to serve a lot of people. So let's say you write something and they can't find that location. Mm. So then you've got to change it up. Let's say you write something and they need to change it up for an, for an actor because they've cast someone different. And then you're going to change some of the dialogue and the storyline. Yeah. So, so that's, that's a way that doesn't happen in books. Right. You know, the, the book is, is the book, whereas the screenplay is the, is the blueprint. But, it's um, just the beginning. To, to jump ahead, when we did the movie, Dear Christmas. Right. That was our third movie with <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart. And that was going to be a much... Um, it was right before bigger, COVID. Yeah. Same things, but the locations would have been bigger. We were going to film it, you know, parts of the scene was supposed to represent like Seneca Falls. There were going to be a lot more people in every scene. But and the movie, right, because the movie was greenlit in March and then COVID came on. And so we had to rewrite that script so that it was COVID, COVID proof, I guess. So you never saw a Christmas party. You saw the... Uh, people sitting in the backyard and making drinks in the kitchen for oh, the actual right. party. Right. You didn't see the Christmas ball because Melissa was late, so she missed it. So two people we, we found ways around it. And in some ways, I think it strengthened the characters in that movie. We had a, another great cast mm -hmm. for uh, Dear Christmas. Yeah, Jason, um, Priestley. Jason Priestley and um, Faith Prince was in it. Ed Helms. Yeah. Uh, really, really stellar cast. And, and so that yeah. was... That's another thing that does happen with screenplays. It's not going to happen with a book. I do sometimes wonder if, you know, 20, 40, 50 years in the future, uh, the film history, history students looking back and looking at films from 2020 will realize that there was a reason that a lot of these had very small casts and in single locations because of that changed context. Mm -hmm. Um, I, but I'm curious, when you were writing the novel, uh, again, the novel is uh, Summer of Christmas, uh, Christmas, uh, the Summer of Christmas, uh, and, a, and really a fun, fun, and it did feel, as a, as a reader, it felt very much like a screenplay. I mean, I felt like I was watching it, uh, even to some of the editing near the end of the book, and there's kind of dramatic tension, and I see these scenes, and I can just imagine that. So I'm curious, how much were you thinking of this as something that would be on the screen? I think we totally were. And to that, to your point, we would end each chapter with a cliffhanger, much like you might do if it's a television movie and you have to have some kind of thing, something exciting happen right before you break right. to commercial. We're very aware we're using the kind of strange, same structure we use when writing scripts for the book. So we knew what, you know, character introductions and plants and pails. All those are novels, but I think we took a little more cinematic approach to it. I think we have a lot more characters in our book than you might see in in more typical romance novels where maybe you'd have just a handful where we have like what, 12, 14. <laughs> a lot of people. There's a lot. <laughs> I'm curious, and this is maybe a horrible question to ask, but when you were starting this or as you were writing it, did you have a cast in mind? Was there an Ivy oh. Green in your head, a Nick Shepard in your head? Were these people you were sort of seeing physically in those roles? I will say for me, no. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like a good question. Uh, no. Because, you know, we're older and these people are in their 20s. So I'm trying to think. I know, um, you know, Jake Quaid. But Jack were you Quaid, writing with him in mind when you wrote? A couple times, yeah. A couple you times, Nick? yeah. And then for her, you know, 
there's always Meg Ryan. <laughs> no, Meg, <laughs> Meg like, Ryan and Warren at Sally, not right now. She's got to be close to yeah. 60, yeah. Um, so, no, it's not, to be honest, not really. And, and the, way we, the way we wrote the book was different from how we would write a script because when we're writing a screenplay, usually we write it almost side by side. Mm. And we might be on different laptops, but we're still in the same room. We're doing the scene together. Whereas we couldn't do that with a novel. So we, we broke the story. Mm-hmm. We had a very extensive outline for the story. But then when it came time to writing the chapters, we split them up. Oh. And so we would each write a chapter and then we would immediately read each other's chapters and make any edits or way to kind of smooth it over so mm-hmm. that it could feel like one voice. It certainly, I'd say as a reader, it certainly feels like one voice, but I'm, I'm curious, did that cause any tension that was not part of the screenwriting process? Were there moments where you looked at a chapter and said, what are you thinking? Like, where, where are you going with this? No, actually the opposite. <laughs> I, I was really impressed with what Keith was writing. And there were moments where I was like, wow, this is really funny. I'm glad he put that in. Now I can continue that thread in the next chapter or the one after that. Our family likes to guess, a lot of family, uh, who wrote what? And they're invariably wrong. Right. And I'm glad to hear you don't know us at all. You think that it felt like one voice. So that's that's good. Because we actually did read it out loud, too. Didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. No, I, I can say in reading it, I sort of thought, well, I know you wrote it together. And I know you've written. I thought, wow, these two are really, you know, symbiotic. This is absolutely perfectly smooth. So I have one more question just broadly about the novel as well as some of your TV movies. Uh, they tend to be focused in upstate New York. So upstate New York is clearly kind of a setting that yeah. feels comfortable to you. Why does upstate New York mean Christmas for the Gilios? It's a wonderful life. <laughs> you know, it's, where, it's where it's, it's set. It's all set. You know, the Frank Capra's. You've you got know, the, you got the snow. Yeah. You've got the snow. You have the small town. Yeah, it's something when we were living in California, it's that, that vision of Christmas we always wanted to come back to. Mm-hmm. So there'll be and no Christmas in San Pedro, I guess. That's not going to That's right. Not, <laughs> not quite the same. And and we used to, like, put out fake snow. Or you would go to the Grove, you know, where mm. this book starts, and there would be the fake bubble. Snow would be made out of bubbles, um, soap bubbles. And it's just not the same. So there's something really magical about, uh, about Christmas in upstate New York. Yeah. And does that, it seems to me that kind of also bleeds into the romance. It seems to me there's a kind of theme across uh, many of your works of people coming to that small upstate uh, upstate New York village and there they find this kind of more authentic connection. Yeah. Is that, is that true? Mm-hmm. Yes. They find, true. they find what they were, what they were looking for elsewhere. And of course in the Christmas movies, it sometimes seems to appear really easy mm-hmm. Whereas in the book, we had more time to, to stretch it out and we could see their pain and we could see how long it took our main couple to get back together again. No, it does. So that was, yeah. The great thing about the novel for those folks who've, who've loved the TV movies uh, is that it does have a lot more oxygen. You definitely get a lot more space. These characters develop. It, it's, you can certainly do a lot more complexity and, and, and of the kind of characters than you can in that very tight run of a TV movie. So I, I'm really impressed by that. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We, that, we, that's one aspect of novel writing we really enjoyed. It's you know, a, getting deep into characters, backstories, um, getting just, into their heads. Something kind of, you can't really do unless you have a voiceover you know, in a film. Painting pictures with words rather than using camera. Yeah. Right. And just having triple the page space because m- most of the Christmas movies are about ninety pages, right. and the book is over three hundred. So that's that's a big plus for us. Mm-hmm. 
No, and it, and it really does give you that kind of insight into characters and that kind of deeper uh, sense. You know, again, not not in in. So I'm curious about that. Actually, was has that been something you've wanted to do for a while to kind of expand and have the the kind of extended space of a novel to really dig deeper? Or where did the novel, where did the desire to write a novel come from, I guess? You know, if I'm being totally honest, it, it's something I think we always thought about, but we weren't really acting on it. It mm. wasn't until an agent came to us and said, I love your Christmas movies. Would you ever think of writing a Christmas <laughs> novel? And that's when we remembered we had an idea that we would wanted to tell, but hadn't been able to tell in a movie. And so we pitched that one idea, which is essentially the summer of Christmas, and she said, this is great. So that that's kind of where it started. And then we then we had to do a deep dive in and start to figure out how to write a novel. Because yeah. it was something we hadn't done before. Mm-hmm. And so a couple of false starts and, um, you know, back and forth, sitting across from each other in different parts of the house. And then each couple of days exchanging with other works and, and a big giant uh, whiteboard. <laughs> we had our cards for each chapter heading, and it was constantly moving, constantly in motion. And then, you know, the characters come alive, and that's always the fun part of writing. But you don't agree? God bless you. <laughs> now I'm curious: is the next plan for this that it might become a movie? Is that is that in the thought process? Or the hope? Yes, the hope. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll see. You know, at that, I'm still out there. Right. So I, you know, there's projects we've had sitting out there for years, and you know, Hollywood is slow. Books are fast. Mm-hmm. No, that makes that totally makes sense to me. So but it I, does feel like a perfect movie. Yeah, it does. I mean, why, you know, reading it, I just kept thinking I, I, I was expecting credits to roll at the end. It was it was absolutely uh, and, and just a, a really beautiful story. But I am curious to kind of step back to the core of our conversation. Um, the big question in my mind is is. Why is Christmas connected to romance? It doesn't, I mean, Valentine's Day, yes, that makes sense. Christmas, why Christmas and romance? uh, Because I think there's no greater gift. Hmm. You know, at a a certain point, everyone's got all the sweaters or baubles or, you know, gifts that they want. But what they're really looking for is love. So many people today. And and I think that's why these Christmas movies are so popular, too, Hmm. because it gives a lot of people hope that things can work out and the Christmas is a magical time. Yeah, time that's time of self-evaluation. Gift. I think also, I think Valentine's Day is, that's moving more toward Valentine's Day, I think. Yeah, Valentine's Day is kind of brutal in some ways. Yeah. Whereas Christmas, there's a lot of magic and a lot of hope and you remember your childhood right. and it's sort of a natural place for romance. You know, it's a time when a lot of, I want to say young people, people come home from working in the big cities and their parents wonder, you know, who are you dating? Yeah. Is there anyone in your life? Right. What happened to that guy? What happened to that guy? <laughs> and, and so it's that sort of what if, oh, what if I went home and I met the perfect guy? And, and I just think a lot of people get very excited about love at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And it's not only... It's not only meeting someone for the first time, but it's also that second chance love yeah. or the, the idea of the one that got away, 
which you see a lot in Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. That trope. That yeah, trope. I'm curious about that because as you were saying that, I thought, well, golly, Kendall, why did you ask the question? It's it's fairly obvious. Certainly, it's a wonderful life as no, we talked about. I think is, it's a good question. Yeah, you know, it's a wonderful life set there in in uh, uh, you know upstate New York. Uh, we have the the romance between George and, and Mary, and that is kind of the crux. Are there other of those classic Christmas movies that you sort of think are precedents for what you're doing, or or inspirations for what you're doing? Absolutely. So we love a movie called The Holiday. Oh, we love that movie. And of course, we love Love Actually. Yep. And Love Actually was very much an inspiration for Christmas reservations. Mm-hmm. Different yeah. characters. Different coming characters together. coming together, interweaving plots. Yeah. Yes. No, such a such a great. And so I'm always also curious, you because you've written now several Christmas romances, and I think each of them are, are it's fascinating to me how you're able to keep returning to this kind of core question, but each feels different. Each kind of has a different flavor. Where do you get the inspiration for bringing in a different, whether it's a different plot structure or it's the Nutcracker and Tchaikovsky or it's uh, <laughs> a, a movie set? I mean, each time you're, you're, you keep recreating this thing and I, and I expect to think, oh, well, here we're going to get a retread of the same old Melissa Joan Hart and yet it's an entirely different feeling movie and I walk away saying, gosh, now I, I, I feel light again. How do you keep finding inspiration to redo that formula well so uh, with nutty you know we love splash and elf right that was, mm-hmm. that was it i always wanted to do something kind of magical around the holidays uh, jumping ahead to like christmas in tune you know that became uh, i think my dad was always wanted to be a saloon singer we always kind of liked <laughs> that um uh, personalities who were together and then broke up because you know that could have like, been us but it wasn't yeah right we like the idea that there's a couple that works together right. in a creative way mm-hmm. and then why not and they've been broken up for a long time and why not bring them back together yeah. at christmas you know reservations like Juliet mentioned we love love actually and you know anything in the business everyone's standing on someone else's shoulders so uh you know love actually is standing on grand hotel sure. from the 30s uh, you know it's a kind of variation of that and um is that with Dear Christmas? Dear Christmas, we wanted it to be in Seneca Falls where its wonderful life was, but it, it evolved and it changed, and we're happy with that. So we like we start with the characters. You know, who are they? What are they doing? Why are they coming home? No, I love that, and, and I love the way you also bring in these different casts and you sort of recast it. So I did have to ask. I, I almost forgot this question, so I'm glad I, I remembered it. Uh, now I grew up in North Texas. Uh, which is very much Reba territory. Uh, and in fact, yeah. she funded uh, a big wing of the hospital in the small town where, where I grew up. So I got to know, what was it like working with Reba McIntyre? She's was wonderful. fantastic. She's wonderful. She's the only person who ever gave us notes and said thank you. She was really smart about um, making sure that the character felt realistic for her. Mm-hmm. And, and to that end, we gave her, you know, we, she had specific notes for us on how to make it more like, more like Reba. And, uh, and she was terrific, you know, and all the singing she did, um, all the songs. I think there are about six or seven no songs, songs in yep. that movie. Yeah, we and, have a couple of lyrics in it. And she pulled it off. Yeah, we have like, I mean, three. Three lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, um, you know, you go to that set, it's just magic. John yeah. Schneider, and Schneider was great. He, he was he, so funny. He just kind of added these improv bits, which really threw her off. It was just great banter. And, to see these people singing Christmas songs together in a bar in Nashville, and you realize it's your movie. It's your movie, and it, it talk about a script that when you write it, and you never know if it's going to come out the way you had in your head, yeah. and 
Christmas in Tune really did. No, the, you know that what's on the page is on the finished product. Yeah, it was it was it was ranked high by like the Hollywood Critics Association, and I've been shortlisted was, for an Emmy. No, that's a, that's a very impressive. Best yeah. TV movie nomination. Now, so now you've got the the successful TV writing career. You've got a novel that is undoubtedly on everyone's must get list for this Christmas season. What is wow. next for the Gilio Empire? Where are, where oh, are you well, going next? Uh, <laughs> well, a, so when a we hostile takeover. That's right. We're going into thrillers. No, um, <laughs> when we when we sold the um, summer of Christmas, we uh, we sold a, we had a two book deal. We sold two books at once. So we've just turned in the rewrite for the second book, and that will be coming out next October. Right. And the second book is not a sequel, but it do ha- but it does have uh, two characters from <laughs> Summer of Christmas. Hmm. So that's but, kind of fun. Not the, two leads. Characters. Not the leads. Not the leads though. Nick and Ivy or not. We felt like their story had been told and we didn't want to go back and and mess it up. Well, that one's pretty autobiographical, so it'd be fun to see. Right. The second one takes place in L.A. And it's it's really, it's all Christmas in L.A. And it's it's a love letter to Christmas time in L.A. Because we did spend 20 years there and we have a lot of happy memories Mm -hmm. there as well. We, we need to show a little love to the West Coast, and I hope there's a, a, a spe- scene for my sav- favorite city of San Pedro. They, they deserve a little love down there. So now, uh, Keith and Julia, it's time to unwrap Pop Life's most popular present. Uh, this is a little game we play with our guests called the Fast Five. So, uh, Keith and Julia, I'm going to ask you all five questions. I'll go back and forth and give you a final question for both of you. Uh, these are either-or questions all about the Christmas holidays. So I'm going to ask you to follow your heart and make a choice starting with you, Keith. Keith, question number one is... Who would you find more difficult to have as your romantic lead, Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life or The Grinch? Oh, Mr. Potter. <laughs> but I think now that's a good challenge. After I wrote that question, I thought, you know, I would like to see you all write an early romance for Mr. Potter before he became bitter. Juliet, question number two is for you. Which of these classic Christmas characters do you think would have a more active Tinder profile? Would it be Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Frosty the Snowman? Oh, Frosty. Frosty. <laughs> I think it's Frosty the Who would have the more active Tinder profile? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It was either Frosty or um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rudolph is sweet. He's Rudolph a kid. Frosty's yeah. like, he could be a, I don't want to say dirty old man, but he, Frosty. He's Frosty. He's Frosty, yeah. yeah. yeah and he dresses Frosty. well. He's got that hat, the scarf, I think he's got. Gapper, <laughs> yeah. He's a smoker. So it might be turned off in some ways. Well, you know. We'll leave it at that. Keith, question number three is, who is your preferred Christmas couple? Is it Elizabeth Lane and Jefferson Jones from Christmas in Connecticut or Jack Skellington and Sally from A Nightmare Before Christmas? Oh, wow. I'm going to go. I'm old school. I'm going to go. Christmas in Connecticut. A absolute cla- another classic romance to add to yeah. our list. Question number four is for you, Juliet, since I know you recently worked with the legendary Reba McIntyre. So if you could only have one of her albums to listen to, would it be 2010's All the Woman I Am or 1991's For My Broken Heart? Wow. I think I would go with the original 1991 For My Broken Heart. I love it. A classic. And finally, question number five for both of you. Which is most likely to be your next holiday romance project, a Halloween romance set in a cemetery or a July 4th romance set in a fire department? Oh, Ooh, I, like I like that. I like, I like the fire department. And we tried writing the, hol- the Halloween one. 
we tried writing. <laughs> yeah, we tried doing the Halloween one twice. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I would do the I would do the fire department July fourth. Yeah, fire department, which is yeah. funny because because we a core component of the um, of the second book movie, has movie. has an element of a fireman in it. Oh, I so like this. Have to wait and see the second book to learn more. All right, and when the uh, July Fourth uh, romance comes out, I'd like a, a name in you the like credit somewhere. I would like credit. Credit somewhere. How about we just name the main character after you, Kendall? Kendall's a good Christmas name. I like it. I would love to be my own romantic character, Kendall, at least somewhere yeah, in my life. That's right. So, Julia and Keith, uh, as always, we ask on Pop Life our our guests, uh, what are you loving in pop culture at the moment? What is part of your pop life? Well. I know we love Christmas movies, but right now a big part of our life has been watching the Dragon Show on HBO, oh, House, House of, of House of Dragon, and been obsessed with that. Although now it wrapped up, so we'll have oh. to find something else. Another thing for me, I love all the Mindy Kaling shows. Sure. I love Never Have I Ever, and now I'm looking forward to. I think it's dropping in another week. The Sex Lives of College Girls. I gotta so, catch up. I have to catch up on Star Trek Picard and Andor on on, on Disney Plus. And I love a good thriller, so. so I'm looking forward to Knives Out sequel. Yeah, that's right. That's true. I am looking forward to that too. So, yeah, we don't. It's funny we don't just watch comedies. We do no. like watching a wide range of things. <laughs> I assumed you just watch Christmas movies all the time, Keith and oh, Juliet. Yeah, you yeah. have been amazing guests. Thank you so much for joining us here on Pop Life. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for up with this and and Isla says thank you too. And thank, thank you. you to Isla, who is by far the best guest we've ever had here on Pop Life. I'll just say to very briefly to our listeners, thank you for letting Pop Life into your holiday season. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, reach out to us on social media. We are at Pop Life, W-A-E-R, on both Twitter and Instagram. I'm Kendall Phillips, wishing all our listeners a wonderful holiday season and a joyous New Year's, and I'll see you all right back here in 2023. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Pop Life, a production of W-A-E-R, Syracuse Public Media. You can find archived episodes at waer.org, And don't forget to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen for automatic delivery of new episodes.